turn together to the book of Luke, chapter 7. We started uh, two Sundays ago, uh, at the beginning of Lent, to kind of uh, make Luke 9.23 kind of our, our focus verse for the season of Lent together. And that verse says, if anyone would uh, come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. And so we started with the denial of self and we kind of looked at, at honoring God versus honoring self and looked at Samson as our example of honoring self and Jesus as our example of denying himself and honoring the Lord. And last week we, we looked at uh, to what it means to, to take up your cross and looked at a, at a different passage where Jesus is saying some similar things. And the general idea uh, is Jesus is, is saying uh, in the text that we looked at, he's saying, if, if there is any attachment on earth that is greater than your love for me, if you love anything on earth more than you love me, then, then you are not worthy to come after me. You're not worthy to be one of my disciples. And, and he pretty much covers the spectrum. Uh, he talks about your relationship with your parents, with your spouse, with your kids, with your siblings, and with your, and with your very self. So if there's, if there's any love for any one of those folks, or love for yourself that's greater than it is for me, then, then that is not what coming after me is about. If there's any attachment to, to your own plans for your life, that would, would keep you from bearing your own cross, then uh, if you're, if you're going to hold on tightly to, to your, your own dreams, your own agenda for your own life, so tightly that, that you will not let me lead you forward down the path I have for you, then, then coming after me is, is not for you. And then if you're not willing to renounce all that you have, every possession, every, every penny to your name, everything you've ever had or will have, uh, if you're so attached to that stuff, to your, to your house, your car, uh, your credit card debt, your wardrobe, whatever it is, if, if that's going to keep you from being obedient, then you just, you just hang on to that stuff because following after me is not, that's not going to happen. And the, the general idea uh, kind of taken away from all that is, is not so much that, that, that Jesus is saying, you have to do all that stuff before you come and follow me. Really what he's getting at is saying, That's, this is the kind of person I'm going to make you into. So I'm going to make you pry your hands off of those plans and off of those relationships and off of all those attachments to all those things that are greater than me. Um, I'm going to break that in you. So you need to be okay with that on the front end and know that that's what following me looks like, is complete surrender in, in everything. And so I don't, you know, I, I, I know everybody's not on Twitter, and that's probably a good thing. Uh, but in this room last Sunday, it was, it was like a different kind of awkward than I've ever felt it before. And I think there's two reasons for that. One, I don't think my sermon was that good. So I don't think I really did a good job with, with preaching that message. 
But two, I could, I mean, it could have been the best sermon ever. And there would have still been that awkwardness. Because we are resistant to, to that message. We're resistant to that call to discipleship. Of, deny, of denying ourselves and letting go of all those attachments and, and bearing our own cross, meaning embracing God's will no matter what it costs us. We don't, we don't like that. We resist it. And I think there's, a lot of, there's just a lot of weird tension within us because as much as we, we want to say, yeah, that's, that's my life, that's what I want Jesus to make me into, we realize that, that we haven't really counted the cost very well. And so I think we're, there was some hesitation that was there. And I hope that... that that we as, as a, a collective community uh, will, will let the Lord sift us through that. Because I think that's a part of what Lent is about, is we, we ask the hard questions and we do the self-examination, you know, and we, and we, we really try to assess where, where we really are in light of Jesus and what he has done and in light of what that call to discipleship looks like for us. Um, so... So we, we've, we've covered that, and let me just acknowledge the fact that last week was awkward, and it's really okay, because I think it was the kind of awkward that God can use to do some pretty cool things. So tonight we move to the, to the next part of the verse. So we, we covered, do not let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and tonight we're going to look at uh, just following after him and what that, what that means, what that looks like. And I want to do it in a way that's a little bit different. And at this point, now this might change, but I'm planning on the next three weeks being under that, that idea of, of following him and what that would entail. And as I've said it pretty much every time, this is all done under the understanding of what it meant to follow after a rabbi. And so um, very briefly, let me describe that. After your bar mitzvah, uh, if you were a, a Jewish boy, um, once you had been bar mitzvahed and become a, a man, you would seek to study under a rabbi. So you had been uh, learning and learning and learning your whole life at home and in uh, various, various educational settings. But now it was time for you to find a rabbi that you wanted to study under. And so uh, the, the boy and I guess his parents would, would identify a, a rabbi, a teacher, and uh, you would go up to the rabbi and you would say, Rabbi, I would, like to, I would like to follow after you. So when we see that verse, when Jesus says, if anyone wants to come after me, or he says, follow after me, uh, in first century Jewish culture, this is what, would have, what, what they would have thought of, is, oh, like following after a rabbi. Like, that's just kind of how, how it works. And so the, the boy would go to the rabbi and say, I would like to, to follow after you. And the rabbi would sit down with, with, with this young man and just, just begin to, to ask him questions. Basically to, to just kind of see, okay, does, does this kid really know his stuff? Does he know the scriptures? Does he, does, he know all, just, does he know all that stuff? And the rabbi got to choose whether or not this young person was qualified enough to follow after him. And so the rabbi would say yes or no. If the rabbi said yes then you became a part of a group of his disciples that would follow, literally follow him everywhere, everywhere he went. If you go to, uh, to Jerusalem today, then you'll see these like, rabbis walking around, and there'll be seven or eight you know, 13, 14-year-old kids following them around everywhere that they go. It still goes on today. Um, so if you said yes, then you got to be a part of, you got to be one of his disciples or a part of the, the Talmudium. If, 
If he said no, then you had to go back home and tell your parents he said no. And then you kind of went into the family business. And uh, that's just kind of how things worked. Which is significant when you realize that Jesus, uh, when he called his disciples, he went and found them at work. Which means that they had been rejected by rabbis. They had been seen as not good enough to follow after him. And so that's kind of a cool sidebar. Anyway, so when Jesus says, if you want to come after me, here's what it takes. He just kind of lays it out there that this is what, these are the questions that he would ask if you were to approach him. And so unlike most rabbis who were very selective, Jesus says, if anybody wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Come after me. There you go. So, so life following after a rabbi, um, this, there's, is no, uh, I just kind of figured this out one day, and so this is like my own list. And so if you are a rabbi and there are more to this list, then let's talk afterwards, by all means. Uh, or if you know more about this. But, but really, following after a rabbi, kind of, it, it kind of was, was a, a threefold deal. And, and I've talked about this before. You would, you would listen to everything that they said. So when the rabbi spoke, you, you listened. You listened to how he said it, what his, in, his inflections were, when he spoke, when he was silent. But anything that he said, I mean, they're, they're, they're just soaking it all up. When I was, was in Israel, we would, we would see, uh, see this go on, and you would see a, a rabbi standing by a tree. It's one of the things I saw. Standing by a tree, holding the branch, and he's like talking, and, and all the kids are like glued into what he's saying because they listen to everything that, that was said. And then they would watch everything he would do. And so, um, as the rabbi, if, if the rabbi was going in to make a purchase, you would watch how he, how he dealt with, with the, the person who ran the store. Um, you would watch how the rabbi conducted himself in public and how he did certain things. So there was a lot of observation. So you're listening to what he's saying. You're observing everything that he's doing. And the third thing is you, you make it your goal to imitate him in every possible way. You, you want to be just like him. And, and for the last couple of weeks, that's, that's kind of been a landing point for us sometimes, is, is do, you really, do you really want to be like Jesus? Do you really want to be like your rabbi or not? Um, and so that was the whole point, is these boys would find a rabbi that they wanted to be exactly like him. And he says, come on, you want to be just like me? The best way to do that is to listen to everything I say and watch everything that I, that I do, and then imitate me down to the most minute detail. And so if... so. We're going to be here tonight, maybe the next two weeks we won't, but tonight for sure. We're going to look at this encounter that Jesus had, kind of as though, as though we were uh, doing that, those very things, as though we were listening and as though we were watching and as though we were there to imitate. So um, in Luke chapter 7, we have uh, one of the great, well, not that one's greater than the other, but one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Um, and so we're going to, we're going to listen and we're going to watch, and we're going to see what imitation looks like. And this is all under the assumption that we, that, we have a, that we have really surrendered everything. That we've processed through the denial of self, and the taking of our crosses, the embracing of God's will no matter what it costs. That, that, that that's, that's where we are, that's where we're asking Him to make us into. And so by following after Him, that's a part of how He works us through those things, and how He makes us into those kinds of people. Uh, so let's, let's listen to what he has to say. Verse 36, chapter 7. It says, One of the Pharisees asked him, uh, asked him to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house, 
and took his place at the table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at, reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were, at a ta- who were at table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So let's, if, if we're going to follow after Jesus, then let's be listeners and let's be observers and let's be imitators. Okay? If that's what discipleship is, then... It, Jesus himself, through, through the scriptures, will, allows us to listen to him and watch him and come after him. And this, is not, this is not a plug for personal study of the scriptures, but I shouldn't have to plug it when you think about it in those terms. That we have the, we have the, the privilege, and not just in the Gospels, through the, the whole Bible, to listen to the words of God and to watch the action of God, and to observe what He does and how He does it. And we have all this insight to, to extract that our discipleship is not going to happen apart, apart from this. And our following after Him, this, this is going to be a part of it. And so, not only is this, I think for us, as a part of Sunday nights through Lent, but I think this is, this, you can do this at home yourself with your copies of the Scriptures. Listen, watch, imitate. So for listen, it's easy to go to the parts that are in quotation marks, right? The actual dialogue. That if, if we, uh, as a part of the disciples of Jesus, got to go to that meal, and maybe we had to sit you know, along the wall and just observe, but well, we would get to actually hear Him say some things. There's a number of things that we could, could pick out. and I, just, I don't have uh, time tonight to go through every single one of them. Uh, let, me, let me just narrow it down to something that we can, 
that we can hear him say as a part of our coming after him and following him, um, is we, we can hear the, the parable and the explanation. So he says two people are in debt. One, one is, uh, a very, is a simple amount. One is a huge amount. Okay? And both are forgiven. Jesus says, who, who do you think is more grateful? Simon says, the one with the greater debt, probably. We get to hear Jesus say something very significant. If you look, uh, look at verse 47. It says, Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. Alright? So, let's say we were just in the room and we just heard our rabbi say that. Say that, He who is forgiven little, loves little. He who is forgiven much, loves much. We just heard him say that. We're his disciples. We should be sitting there in stunned silence. I mean, what, what a profound statement for us to process and to think about. And to write down in our journals and to look at it and say, what, is, what does this mean? This is, this is massive. That, what he's forming us into is are people who realize that we have been forgiven much. And so if, if we have lost sight of, of the cross... Then, then no wonder our love for Jesus is being trumped by all these other things, right? It makes perfect sense. If we lose sight of the greatness of what, we, of what we have been forgiven, then sure, we're going to be attached to our debt, our mortgages. We're going to be attached to these relationships. So our love for self is going to trump things. Of course, of, course of course, we're going to live that, that life. And so during Lent, what do we do? We come together, we get in these Bible studies, we come together at night, and we start to, to drive into the depths of what the atonement has done for us. That we were separated from God because of our sin. We were enemies of God because of our sin. And yet, through Jesus, He has reconciled us. That we were under this death penalty, and Jesus Himself came in and was the willing sacrifice for us. That every one of us deserve hell because our sin, because we are sinners. We deserve for the holiness of God to obliterate us. That's that's what we deserve. And we tend to think, we tend to think a lot like Simon in this story. We tend to think like a, like uh, in this comparative sin sense, right? And we're like, well, I mean, like I got my issues, but I don't have issues like this person does. So, yeah. And, and then, so we read that story first, and we're like, oh, okay, so he's saying that she's done a lot of bad stuff, so she's been forgiven of a lot, and so she, she loves him more because she's got like this long, super long list, but Simon, his list isn't quite as long, so he's kind of not whatever. That's not what the story is saying. The story is saying she understands, she, 
she understands the forgiveness that is that needs to come into her life. Simon has no clue. They're both they're both the same. The lists don't matter at all. They're the same. Simon, the woman, both forgiven much. She knows it, he doesn't. She loves the Lord so much. He doesn't. So as we listen to our rabbi say that, we have to come we have to step back a little bit and say, okay, so if my love for Jesus is being trumped by all this stuff, it's probably because I've lost sight. I've lost sight of what he's done for me. And I don't want to lose sight of that. And I think our rabbi would say, exactly, exactly, exactly. His goal was not to crush Simon. His goal was to, to cast light on the fact that he has lost sight of the offensiveness of sin and the beauty of redemption. And we have to, we have to, we have to let him cast that light into us and form us that way. So yeah, so we read the scriptures and we listen to what our rabbi says and, and we, we let him teach us through that. So if, if you're here, like literally, if you're like, yeah, I just don't think I love Jesus that much. Well, verses like this point to the fact that's because, that's because you've, lost sight of, you've lost sight of it. And Jesus wants to like, bring it back into view. Romans 12, is, you know, it says, In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifice. Well, what we're trying to do is keep God's mercy right in plain view so that we don't lose sight of it. Right? So, lots of things we could listen to in that text. That's just one of them. But that's what following after Jesus means. If we surrendered everything and we're in this place like, I've let go of everything, what do you want to teach me? He's like, okay, I want to teach you exactly what sin is and how you have been forgiven much. That's, there we go. That's that point. Now, Let's, let's move on to, to, the, to the watching part, to the observing part. Let's say that, that we, sat, we sat in the room that day and we would have seen a number of things. We would have, have seen the host not provide water, someone to clean the feet of his guest. We would have seen that. We would have noticed that that was weird. Then we would have seen the woman come in. And we would have seen what is described here. So, just become an observer in your mind. Let me read this. Imagine the impact this would have had visually. Um, Verse 37 says, And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. So picture it. Standing behind him at his feet, weeping, She began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Imagine that you're watching that. You see the lack of action from the Pharisee host. You see this outpouring of worship and love and gratitude from the woman. 
And here you are, here I am as a disciple, following after Jesus, and we're watching this. And you know what? He lets it happen. He lets, he lets her weep and cry and wipe off her tears with her own hair and anoint him with this perfume. He lets it happen. You're sitting there. I'm sitting there. We're watching. We're observing our rabbi. And this woman who's being judged by the Pharisee, he's, Jesus says, this is, a, this is good. He doesn't kick her away. He doesn't get embarrassed. He doesn't offer excuses. He's not ashamed of her. He's not appalled by her. He doesn't judge her. He lets her worship. We have to let that, we have to let that impact us as followers of Jesus. We have to let that just we have to let that rest on us with truth. Right? Just let it just blanket our hearts and our minds. But he he just let it go on. And as as we're there and we so we need to be putting putting these things together. I know he hasn't explained the parable yet in the thoughtful of the story, but we've already gone there. So so we we take what we what we hear him say about for understanding that you're forgiven much and that you love much. And here is her outpouring of worship and gratitude and love. And you press all that stuff together. I'm, I'm the woman. You're the woman. What, what we're watching is not some, some unique one-time thing that happened in history. We're watching... Uh, something living, a living drama in front of us that is our very lives. That she realizes the beauty of the Savior. And it didn't matter that she was going to uh, the home of a religiously upright person. It didn't matter that she had a reputation around town. It didn't matter that the perfume cost her money. It didn't matter what they thought. It didn't matter. All she, all she knew is Jesus is there. And I want to love Him. I want to thank him. We are we are that woman because we have been forgiven much. And the pouring out of our lives and the and the stirring that should should be our response. That's what listening to Jesus and watching Jesus should evoke in us. We should be able to look at that and say, yeah, that's, that's my story. That's, that's it. That's my story. And then we listen again. Verse 48. We hear, listen to this. We hear our rabbi look at this woman. He said to her, your sins are forgiven. We hear him say it. We watch him let, let her worship And we watch him and hear him say this to her. Verse 50, he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Okay, Your faith has saved you, not your works, not her act of worship, not anything. Her her faith, her her belief in Jesus and who who he is, and that has saved her. Uh, Go in peace. Go Go in the shalom of God. 
go in being in the fact that you are in sync with the Lord. We are that woman. Forgiven much. Pouring our lives out in gratitude. Because Jesus has looked at us and said, your sins are forgiven. Your faith is what has saved you. Not your, not your works. Your belief in, in, the, in, in my grace. Now go, go in peace. Go in reconciliation. Right? Go because Jesus has sacrificed for you. This week we'll talk about redemption. Go because you are redeemed. You're, you're no longer enslaved to sin, but you are free. Go. Live. We're the, we're the disciples sitting in the room, stunned by what we've seen, what we've heard, but also how we've just watched our, our lives play out. We've watched the gospel We've watched it all just happen right in front of us. So we have to we have to respond to that, you know. So we've listened and we've watched. Now comes the, the imitation part. So we have we're supposed to imitate our rabbi, right? So let's say that that's the end of the story. It says go in peace. And he's like, we're out of here. You, you walk out, and you're walking away. And you're like, what just happened? What just happened? You're piecing together what you heard, what you saw, all that stuff. And you're trying to figure out, how do I imitate him in, in my life? A bunch of things we could list, again. Let me just give you two. Um, one of them is, how are you going to interact with people in general? It should change your interaction. So you come, uh, your path crosses with someone who is just, let's just say they're just not like you, okay? Who cares what they look like or whatever? It's just, they're, just, they're different than you are. Um, are you going to interact with them the ways that Simon did? Of course, he was, he was judging her. It was in his mind, according to the text. But he was judging her. Or will it be gracious and loving? Will there be an, an absence of judgment and just an, an abundance of grace in how you interact with people? Whoever they are, whatever they look like, whatever they've been through, it doesn't really matter. That's one way that we will imitate our rabbi. Is it, that's got to be a game changer in how we interact with people. And the other thing I think is equally as awesome is that Jesus, uh, he defended the, the one who was being judged. He didn't just like sit back and let Simon judge her. He, he rose to the occasion. He did it with truth, and he did it in a way that was firm, that was loving. But he defended the one who was being judged. And so as we live our lives, and we go throughout our days, there are people who are being judged constantly. They're being judged by culture and all that kind of stuff, and they're being judged by Christians, and they're being judged just in a lot of ways. And 
we should be there at their defense. It doesn't mean we go around getting in fights and put, you know, chewing people out and all that kind of stuff. But you, you know what I'm talking about. You know people who, who live under that kind of judgment and condemnation. And you've got to figure out, how do I, how do I stand and, and defend them? Whether it's defending them to other people or defending them against the lies that they're believing themselves. That we, the way that Jesus treated this woman should change the way we treat everybody. So we, We've listened. We've watched. Now we go and we imitate. And if, if we're living lives of surrender like we're talking about, then that it becomes what following after him, how he makes us into the kind of people who really are open-handed like that, who really are surrendered, who really are uh, embracing the will of God no matter what the cost is, who really are choosing to honor the Lord and not themselves in situations, and who really do desire to be just like the our rabbi. In order to do that, we have to understand ourselves. We have to understand the gospel. We have to understand that, that Jesus came to put the kingdom on display. And as he puts the kingdom on display, he's teaching us how to live in that kingdom and making us into people who naturally think and react that way. And so this is, this is our Monday. This is our Tuesday. This is our Wednesday. This is daily life for us that we learn. And so through the scriptures, we're, we, have the, we have the ability to process things this way all the time, constantly. Plus, he's put us in community together. Plus, he's put his spirit inside of us. And so when all these things begin, continue to be shared and all this stuff, and we, he starts just keeps making us into those kind of people, those kind of people. Before you know it, you have people telling you like, you know what? Like you used to be like pretty self-centered, and I, I didn't like you very much. But but I've really seen like you're just you're just not like that anymore. There's something there's something different in your life, and you'll be able to 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 see that too. You'll be able to see the the formation that Jesus has done in you. Um, not in a boastful way, but you're like, man, I remember when, if, if what happened to me today had happened to me two years ago, I didn't tell him where I would be. But the, the Lord has been good. He's, he's making me into that kind of person. That's what following after Jesus looks like. But again, it comes down to, do we really want to be like him or not? I don't know. I don't know about you. Maybe you, maybe you do. Maybe you don't. I read when I go th- slowly through stories like that. Why would you not want to be like him? You know, like, why would you not be like, make me just like you, please? Whatever it takes. I want to be. I want to be just like him. I want to live in the kingdom the way he did. I want. I want that guy to form me into whatever he wants me to be because I trust whatever that looks like. And so I don't, I don't know where any of this kind of rests with you. I know it's kind of one of those like sermon talk things that kind of, it kind of goes all over the place and maybe something connected with you and something didn't. I don't, that's between you, you and the Lord. Um, but this is spiritual formation into Christ-likeness. And as we journey toward the cross together, He's helping us to understand exactly what that means and exactly what that looks like.
And so whatever he has stirred in you tonight, I, I hope that we all be good stewards of it. It may not be from the sermon. It might be, it might be from a song. It might be from a conversation that you have. I, I, I don't really know. Um, but let's be responsible with whatever it is that he's stirred in us. Uh, so that, let's pray together. We're going we're to sing a little bit here, process this a little bit more before we go. Just take just a second and, and ask the Lord to maybe just specifically narrow down uh, what exactly He wants you to take from, from this text tonight, specifically. What's, what's He got for you in your following after Him? Just, just ask Him. just ask Him to, to help you to not lose sight of that um, as things come to a close tonight and we dismiss that you wouldn't be distracted so much that you forget it. Just ask Him just to tuck it away and bring it back up. Um, Now let's uh, let's just just center center in tonight on just in these last couple of minutes, just that idea that that we have all been forgiven much. That there's no comparative anything going on. Every one of us equally begin to have been forgiven far beyond anything that we can really grasp. Just by the goodness of our Savior. By His willing sacrifice. Let's think about how we really are that. We are the woman in the story. That as we realize that we have been forgiven much, it evokes a response in us of such gratitude and love. It really doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. All that really matters is us getting to Jesus and worshiping like this.
Let's all stand together. Lord, we are uh, we are all uh, just like that woman. It really doesn't matter what we've done or not done, all that stuff. We're all the same. Every one of us is in need of redemption and forgiveness. And we're grateful that you, you provided that for us. So help us to, to regain sight of that. We have been forgiven much, and so we love much. Maybe Lord, maybe you could just bring that into more uh, more clear view to us. Whether it's tonight and just as we journey forward through Lent. And as we sing, may this be a, just our response of gratitude and love.